0: we've got to fix a broken industry right we've got an industry that is suffering there are people that are suffering within our industry and we've got a lot of change uh, to instill uh, as well as you know we we have a, a dying or retiring industry too and so just getting the word out man we need people we need to change the way we value people in the industry and um yeah i think that that's really the motivator behind the podcast you know there's a lot of lean out there a lot of lean consultants spread again bullshito and so we've got to we've got to get to the point. We've got to see how we can take all these Japanese words and how can we actually use them on the job site, like where Matt is, right? Like that. That's where Lean is really important. That's where we can affect the lives of men and women in the in the business, and that's where we improve uh, the conditions surrounding the work. And we can use Lean from that perspective. I think that's where the true value is. And so that's really the driving force behind why we say, you know what, we're going to spread the word our way.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I think we're live, finally. (laughs) We're live! We're live! Here we We go.
0: Hey,
1: well, anyway, welcome to the uh, CM Mentors podcast. This is our special live stream episode.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Job site internet. (laughs) Or is it me? No, Uh I think... I'm good. Ah. (laughs) Well, we're... We're live and frozen. What do you think Kyle? Should we can, should the party go on or
2: what? Sure, sure we could do it. Well then, I, I mean, I'll do I'll do the intro at least for right now. So, welcome everybody to the CM Mentors podcast doing a special live session this week. Uh, our co-host he's Matt pushing. Graves. Oh, he's he's, he's back.
0: back. What's up, Matt? <laughs> I think this is the Omniverse paying you back for dropping a live stream on me like uh-huh. 15, 20 minutes before the event. So that's all I'm going to say. I don't know.
2: It's probably some guys from Riverside that are messing with our signals or something. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pissed off. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Oh, yeah, Matt. or Matt, are you back with us yet? Or Kyle, what do you think? Where should we take this thing, man? We'll just kind of start chatting
2: here until we get Matt back, I think. So, welcome, Adam Hoots. Uh,
0: who's, he's the Hoots on the Ground guy. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm good. Uh, yeah, fantastic. I, as you said, the Hoots on the Ground, that's the Lean Builder podcast. Uh, it's actually Hoots on the Ground with no bullshito. So, we try and take all that, you know, official lean stuff and we throw it out the window, right? We call bullshito on it. And we take what's applicable and we make it apply to the job site, and uh, just to make the work easier for the people, I think that's a, a huge part of what Lean should be used for and could be used for. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited to, to be here with you guys today to just share my message and, and spread the word, like y'all have been doing, because we've got an industry that's in pain, and we've got we've got to provide some solutions for that. So. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's that's basically why Matt and I started teaming up, too, is to try to get get the
2: message out here, CM mentors. I mean, the, the focus is the next generation. Hey, welcome back, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got so excited and
1: I, it instantly froze.
0: <laughs> the omniverse is paying you back for the last minute live here.
1: Oh, uh, That was not a that was not planned. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. You are doing good. Probably.
2: Well, we were just doing introductions here, so Adam was introducing his podcast a little bit, and i was just about to ask him a little bit more about it. Uh, Adam, how many how many have you done now, and you know what what got you into it?
0: Uh, man, we've done probably 58 episodes or so, something like that. We've done it for we started in 2022, so try and do one a week. You guys know with the editing, uh, Matt, we were just talking about that That can get heavy. So uh, yeah, and really started it because I mean we've got we've got to fix a broken industry, right? We've got an industry that is suffering, there are people that are suffering within our industry, and we've got a lot of change uh, to instill, uh, as well as, you know, we, we have a, a dying or retiring industry too. And so just getting the word out, man, we need people, we need to change the way we value people in the industry. And um, yeah, I think that that's really the motivator behind the podcast. You know, there's a lot of lean out there, a lot of lean consultants spread, again, bullshito and so we've got to we've got to get to the point. We've got to see how we can take all these Japanese words and how can we actually use them on the job site like where Matt is. Right. Like that. That's where lean is really important. That's where we can affect the lives of men and women in the in the business. And that's where we improve uh, the conditions surrounding the work. And we can use lean from that perspective. I think that's where the true value is. And so that's really the driving force behind why we say, you know, what we're going to spread the word our way. Absolutely. Well, and Adam,
2: I just met you a few weeks ago, of course, at, at a couple of events down there in South Carolina. Awesome events, by the way. That was, those, those were so great. Next Gen Leaders did a great job with that. Um, so shout yeah, out shout to out Adam. Davis for that. Heck yeah, heck yeah that was awesome. Um, you but are. Uh, you had some great stories that you shared about that with kind of how you got, got going in the industry. Anything that sticks out to you that you want to share with the listeners today that just helped understand you a little bit?
0: Well, I just say that I've referred to the industry as broken a couple of times. uh, And I'm not just saying that from the general contractors like perch. Um, I'm saying that from boots on the ground, from being in the ditch with corn floating next to me uh, and in all the wrong ways. And so um, I was a plumber. I started as a plumber at 17 and and felt how miserable that life was. Uh, And again, I, I even still have some reservations about how much I encourage young people these days to join the construction industry because I've felt the pain. Like it is, it is not a super pleasant place in in the long run. And so we've still got a lot of work to do from the inside out, but it's changing. It's happening. You know, the, the labor conditions are forcing that. And so, um, yeah, again, I, I would just say that what sticks out to me is that I'm, 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 I've experienced it and, and know the feeling of, what it's like for somebody to take advantage or to abuse kind of in a way. And so, um, again, I'm just excited for the possibilities of where we can take this and uh, and, and the change that's actually taking place within the industry from the inside out.
2: All right, Matt, go ahead. You're up, man.
1: I'm still trying to get my bearings straight after that little rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> I was all excited and then I instantly froze, but Hey, so we are live. I'm afraid to say that because I'm afraid I'm going to get booted out again. So if you're in the audience, let us know you're here. Um, I'm trying to play with this new tool, and I don't want to try, try to keep up like Jesse does. Um,
0: good luck with that.
1: <laughs> I want to I start with a couple audience questions, just again to, to get you riled yeah. up a little bit. So Justin Uyar, is that, I think that's how you say his name?
0: Yeah, that's my guy, yeah. Yeah, he good dropped guy, a couple
1: of, uh, questions on yeah, the LinkedIn did. post. <laughs> He says, what, what motivates Adam to continue to be a leader in the construction industry?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of what we just talked about, right? It's that feeling of, man, I was there, I was seeing it, I was not respected, I didn't respect myself, and we've got, um, we got work to do. And, and that's you know one of the things I realized, so I've worked for two major general contractors and kind of a local contractor, and one of the things they all had in common was we, we really didn't execute the work the way we should have. Um, and we had some really good teams. Like, don't get me wrong. All of our projects ended on schedule. Um, you know, some of them were a little bit over budget, but, um, I think we've all had some of those I'll tell you. Um, but it's that feeling it's like, man, there's people out there in the industry suffering. And so that's really what we're after is how do we make their work easier? How do we as leaders go and experience their work to really understand who they are? I would just give them a voice. Like, how do we just go say hi? That's not a very difficult thing to do, but it is a little bit uncomfortable. And so when we as leaders can get outside of our comfort zone and experience some of that discomfort, we start learning about people and we help them grow as well as grow ourselves. And so that's really what it is. It's just seeing the industry better when I die than when I got in it at 17, because it was really rough. It was really, yeah, we'll just leave it there.
1: <laughs> it's definitely in my, I mean, shortest career. I've been doing it for 13 years. I've definitely seen a big change in the industry. Maybe I'm working for different companies and around different people. But, um, yeah, like Jesse says, I guess it's Jesse behind this right now. I'm going to try this. Yeah, what's up, Jesse, man? How about learning their names?
0: Yeah. Like, hey, how are you? I'm Adam. What's your name? Oh, hey, Jesse. Nice to meet you. Like, I, I, tell me more about yourself. Or like, again, it's just a little bit uncomfortable. And I'll tell you, it been at first the trade worker, the person, might be like, oh, dude, what do you want from me? Because people don't usually do this to me. And so I think it's important that we do it, though, to really learn who these workers are and what motivates them to continue working with you.
2: Well, and part of this is, too, I mean, how do you define success for the project? Is it really just getting it done? And even though your last three or four months was grinding away and you're wearing everybody down and now your turnover is huge, is that success? No, it shouldn't be. We can do so much better. How about, God forbid, a project where people actually want to go there every day and enjoy it and then even go home and they're like, I can't wait to get back the next day. What a world that would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's on our leaders, right? That's one thing Miss Jen Lacey taught me, conditions of satisfaction. If we're going to align on what does yeah. success look like as a team, and we just talk about that up front, and then we have a better chance of hitting it. And It's
1: funny how that works, too, right? Because, I mean, even if you think old school, like just profitability-wise, right? You're like, oh, I don't care about that. I just care about making the, the bottom line. Yeah. Well a happy team is a profitable team, right? I'd imagine a happy team is working harder. You know, it's, you see all those charts, all those productivity charts. And, you know, say if you work over 40 hours, work 50 hours for X amount of time, your productivity is actually total is less than it would have been if you just worked 40s. And so it's, you gotta think just like having a happy team is really in the long run, gonna make you more profitable, more efficient, more everything else, and you're having fun.
0: Absolutely. I think a lot of lean practices, have been overly focused on tools, 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 and man tools can help the bottom line. But when you embrace the people side to the, mm-hmm. in addition to the tool, and like, don't even look at the bottom line, you'll, you'll be happy at the end of the day. Agreed. Justin's got another question. He's got a whole list of them here. If yeah, we Adam- got a, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for Justin's questions. He is like, let me tell you his questioning. Um, I'm in a couple other groups. There's a group with Jesse called the Emotional Bungee Jumpers. And, man, Justin brings the questions. Boy, let me tell you, I'm scared of them sometimes. They're good ones, too.
1: Justin says – I mean, I'm just going to have him write all my questions for the rest of the podcast. Should. He's good. He says, if Adam could go back in his career and change one thing, what would it be?
0: Man um, – You know, it's it's interesting because I've had about 30 minutes, 45 minutes to prepare for that question. And I really still don't have a solid answer other than I would spend more time in the field. Um, I would not be afraid to fail as much. Um, I would experiment. I would have experimented more with my projects. I have like the role that I play now as a construction coach. I have to convince other people to experiment on their jobs with things that I know are going to work. What I liked doing was experimenting with things that I had no idea if it was going to work. Like, hey, we're having trust issues on the job. Let's throw a circle up and call it the trust circle and figure out how much trust do we have on the job? How do you measure trust on your job? Like, think about that. that <clears throat> we all say it. The most important thing around, but how do you measure it? And so I got to do things like that on my job. Like that, I would do more experimenting and more failing, particularly with the field how do you measure trust? I was just going to say, thanks, Matt. (laughs) I have, I mean, I have a process. Um, I'd be glad to run you through. I've done a couple of presentations on it. I call it the trust circle and I literally draw a circle on the wall at the center of that circle is my family, the people in my life that I trust the most. And then every week we have a staff meeting and our staff comes together and we talk about every trade partner and we say, Hey, you know, I didn't get the change order. I got a bogus change order. I got RFIs that don't make sense. So the safety was terrible. What, their field's always on time. They always deliver a good product. And so everybody at the table gets to chirp in and we say, okay. And it's a, I do it in an art. Some people have, can do like questions and bring more scientific, but it's like, all right, are we here? Are we here? Are we here? Okay, we're there. And the first question is always, do we trust them or not, inside or outside? If they're inside, how close to the most trusted are they? You do every trade partner. And the ones that are outside your circle, you actually write why they're outside your circle. And then you bring in the trade partners and you have that conversation. And I'll tell you, it's interesting. It sounds like something. uh, It sounds like something so childish and like a kindergarten tool. And it a little bit is, but it works. I got on daily huddles. How come I'm outside your circle? I've done blah, blah, blah. Well, you left Bojangle cups all over your workstation last week. And so it really, it gives an avenue for feedback uh, that we don't typically have on job sites. And actually on, on my jobs, we used to award a wrestling belt. I have it right over here, but and then at the end of, uh, we do that each week. And then at the end of the month, the lead project manager and superintendent and myself would come together and we would cook for the people who were working and earning our trust. And so again, we were rewarding the behavior that we sought. We, we were um, trying to set expectations. We were trying to um, again, think outside the box a little bit. And, and let me tell you, it works. Uh, and it's it sounds so silly. Man, I've got pictures of grown men like, yeah, with my wrestling belt, like dude, it got people fired up. And so, you know, we often talk and here's the other part to this is you've got to be willing to have the trade partners judge you and you have to give the trade partners the marker and you have to say, OK, trades, here's your family. Where am I at in your circle? Because if you're not doing that, you're just judging people and, and you're not open and really practicing it for the right reasons. This is not a weaponizing tool. This is a let's get better as a team. And, and again, a line on what is the expectation here. And it's a good, what I call pause and reflect moment uh, and construction too many times, like shout out Charlie Dunn for, for helping me understand this. We go, 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 go. And then we have the end of the job and sometimes we get a new job, but we're going on before the end of the job versus going, stopping, reflecting right? going, Pausing, reflecting, are what we do, is what we're doing helping us be more successful or less successful? And if it's more successful, then let's do more of it. And if it's less successful, then let's not do it anymore. So, again, you can measure trust. I think um, I'd love to, to kind of point you in a couple of directions or take you through kind of how I did that in a deeper level, but um, super valuable. And, again, it is one of the most important foundational pieces of a team, but we don't ever measure it.
1: I like the, the point of giving them the marker and telling them to put you on the, on the thing. Cause it's, it's definitely a two way street. And so, yeah, if you're just sitting there and I, I think we've all seen those contractors basically just says, sit down, shut up. and tell you all the places you're screwing up, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not a very, uh, not a very collaborative environment, you know?
2: So well, it's that whole thing about feedback. I mean, a lot of people are really quick to give it, but can you actually really get it back as well? And can you, constructively grow from it learn from it and apply it to even do better that's that's a challenge
0: yeah i don't do feedback very well i'll just be honest with you
1: jesse's asking do you practice what he coaches in his personal life oh
0: man jesse i don't like you right now um, <laughs> he said don't GC see me bro see? <laughs> that's an awesome story um Man, and now we've got uh, we got Justin on the live, you got Emily, you got Gabe, you got a bunch of people out there, Matt. We got some comments up there. Yeah, I'm trying um, to get to it all. We got Gabe Gonzalez coming out of far west Texas. Yeah, I grew what's up, up in, Gabe.
1: What does far west Texas mean, Gabe? I'm from Midland, so farther than that?
0: It's like El Paso kind of that's Texas, a, right? I mean, that's the far best.
1: west. People think Abilene and Austin's West Texas, though, if you're from East Texas.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. did I Deflect enough to avoid Jesse's question or no? Yeah, yeah you did a good job. Okay, good. Next we question.
1: got Emily skidding in on two tires. She says. What's up,
0: Miss Emily? Heck yeah, welcome. Me. Welcome back from vacation.
1: She says, How do you handle conflicting personalities and communication styles on a team?
0: Oh, man. Well, <laughs> what a question. I think that's uh, <laughs> a lot easier to answer than uh, Jesse's question. But um, I think you identify one, you got to identify what are the personalities what are the communication styles? What are the preferences? Like, you know, you talk about those tests that are out there, the Myers-Briggs or whatever other, you know, personality tests you might be able to go and take. And then you can, once you learn specifically about yourself, I think that's what a lot of people are lacking is that self-awareness. Uh, and then once you learn about yourself, then you can start to, you know, manipulate the way you communicate, manipulate your preferred style, to your audience's style. I think that really helps to bridge some gaps. Um, Emily, I'm still working on that. So I would love for, for anybody else to to chime in here. But um, to me, it's all about understanding what is that personality and then being self aware enough to modify how you deliver information to other people. I think setting the tone, setting the standard that way is, is crucial.
1: I think so. I mean, I'm usually default to more casual than uh, you. My, my tone of communication is more casual than formal, right? Like the worst, the last thing I ever want to do is write a letter and like email suck. Like I'd rather, you know, just, Hey, what's going on, man? Here's what's going on. Uh, But you do got to tailor it, right? Some people like don't, they need you to write them an email and write bullet points, right? And give them what they need to do to communicate that way. Some people, you know, if you write them an email, And if you give them more than two ideas in one email, they're going to read the first one and forget the second one. And I mean, that's just a different thing. You just got to know your audience. And um, I think that's one way, one reason I've kind of been able to be successful in my career is it's just, I guess I'm good at knowing my audience and speaking the language of my audience. So I've been able to connect with people, but then you get those conflicting personalities. Every project has them. And I think it's just, you know, having empathy too and kind of trying to understand why they're coming from where they're coming from and it helps, and again, knowing their name and knowing who they are and actually trying to connect with them on a personal level helps kind of break down those walls. At least that's what I've seen help me.
0: I can't overemphasize the importance of that. And from a construction manager's perspective, I mean, we're all over the place. Like, communication style for the owner and the architect and the designer and the laborer, like, totally different. And so you almost have to assume these different personalities in a way to be able to communicate with each person. I mean, that's super important.
2: Well, Matt, I'm glad you brought up the why behind it because that's what I was going to chime in and say is that, and and what is it? uh, Simon Sinek uh, start with why I mean, start to seek first to understand, then to respond, I think is the the phrase or something like that. But (laughs) the point is, you know, if somebody's personality or communication style is a certain way, there's probably a reason. And if you can understand that reason, you can effectively communicate back and even maybe fix the issue. Emily has a follow-up. Man,
1: Jesse, I don't know how you keep up all this stuff whenever you're running solo. Uh, Emily says, follow-up. Should managers study emotional intelligence to better lead? <laughs> I'll say 100%. I think mm-hmm. that's a, it's, it's a necessity.
0: Have to. Yeah, that's one thing I'll tell you. Um, being able to read another person's face is is so valuable. Um, to be able to be in tune with, again, your own emotions to understand what state you're at. But then to be able to look at the expressions of another person and understand what state they're in, um, invaluable. To be, I mean, that's like true empathy right there. Agreed.
1: I'm rolling with these as we get them in terms of, uh, this is from Gabe. Oh, Gabe said he's from El Paso. So you were right. That is yeah, far west. It's, it's almost Arizona.
0: I love El Paso. It's a beautiful area. It is nice out
1: there. Mountains. People don't think we have mountains in Texas, but you go far enough west. You do. That's right. Uh, Gabe says in terms of developing and implementing a lean culture, what's your difference in the experience between large and small markets? My experience is small markets are typically hesitant to adapt.
0: Interesting. I've, I think all markets are hesitant. to yeah. adapt. And for yeah. good reason, man, we like, let's be honest, we have created an entire business around lean construction and we have, it's gotten so out of hand to really, again, talked about earlier, drive ROI, return on investment, right? And no, it's as Jen says, it's ripples of impact, right? Like we want these learnings to go on and last forever. Like we are No more are we allowing lean to be crucified as this really complex, hard thing to do that only super wicked smart people do, right? We just got to establish flow on the job, visualize that flow, and then get better every single day ourselves, all out of respect for people. And when we can do those three things, we've got lean on a project. So uh, the resistance is real, Gabe. Uh, Shout out to you for trudging through it. I've had my own fair share at, at trying to you know, can convince people. And I've since again, hanging out with Jen and Jess, I've stopped trying to convince people. If you don't believe that lean, isn't going to answer some of your issues or at least show your issues to you then don't do it, go do your own way. And we'll be, be happy. Um, but I, I think it is like large and small markets, the resistance and hesitancy to adapt lean construction. It's real. It is real.
2: Well, hundred percent. And just to add in my two cents on like the industrial manufacturing sector, the irony is that they're behind by 20 years in construction even though manufacturing is where lean is where lean started out so there's some super ironic things going on there i mean some of my clients haven't even really heard of lean construction never heard of last planner uh, don't understand people first really i mean they think they do but they don't when you get to a job site cuz they just want it done ahead of schedule under budget and injuries i mean they say they don't want them but you know, sometimes they turn around and look the other way. So, uh, are
1: they are they practicing lean principles in the manufacturing process? Are, are they intentionally practicing the lean things in the manufacturing process, or is it they just got it set up? And
2: they think they 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 think they are. I mean, are they actually doing it? I would say no, most of the time. But they think they are. <clears throat> Especially yeah. if you consider the respect part, it, it all starts with respect, and that part they definitely don't do right.
1: Jesse says, deploy the lean stuff to better serve the people and the rest is gravy. I got to get on
0: this lean hype train.
1: I'm, I feel like I'm missing out, man.
0: Yeah. Careful. I would advise you to just use caution because once you come down the slide, ain't no going back up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's so funny. It's just like I mean, obviously, I've never studied lean. Um, I, the Companies I've always worked for, it just, it, they, they didn't do the lean. Like, it wasn't a it was almost a buzzword, right? Kind of in the industry until you really get into it. <clears throat> but when start, the more I started learning about it, it's just like, this is basically what I do anyway. It's just common sense. It's just basically treat people good, try to take care of people, try to make your site productive and efficient and do the simple, do the, do
0: the basics, you know, do the simple basics. And I don't know. That is exactly my message to the world. And in fact, you know, Buddy Brumley and myself were writing the old dog lean thesaurus and that's coming out June five. So be ready for that. But that's the whole premise behind the book. Like this lean stuff, it, it's not super complicated and you're probably already doing it. And so we've created a, a thesaurus for those old dogs out there. Uh, you've got buddy, the old dog and me kind of the lean geek. Who's like, a well, last planner system says it's five Connected conversations that consist of blah, <laughs> like, and then you got buddy. That's like, yeah, man, we're just planning our work. Right. We're just, helping people talk about how the work's going to go in. And so it's, it's, this, um, it's this bridge between making it too complex but understanding it. Uh, and, and I think you know, the origin, so shout out to Jess for this story, but the origins of Lean, even before manufacturing, come from uh, uh, Toyota who was watching his mother on a loom, and his mother was doing work that was really dangerous and super, super burdensome. And he was like, man, I want to improve that. And so he spent the first 20 to 30 years of his life figuring out how to make an auto loom. And, and that's really changed the game of weaving cloth. And so I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, lean came from exactly what Jesse said, right? Making the work easier for the people because we care about the people doing the work. And so somehow we've got off track to, well, let's just make more money. And that's not the case. And that's where... Again, that's one of the filters I have for clients of mine is like, if this is about return on investment, if this is about money, I ain't doing it. I don't care how big the contract is. I'm not signing up because it's going to it's going to not end the way that I know it could.
2: Well, and I just got to add in too about the application of it, because I've had success and I've also had failures trying to apply it. And you don't have to do every part of uh, every part of the last planner system to be successful. You can apply certain things. And a lot of the time, especially if they're resistant, you can't go into there and expect to start doing PPC and start having your daily huddles and doing every single part of the last planner system and force that on GCs that aren't used to it, on subs that aren't used to it, on clients. You won't get the buy-in. And so you're just doomed for failure. You got to little bite-sized chunks, bring it on little piece at a time, show them that it works. That's the key. And then start adding more.
0: Yeah. The Lean Builder book shows us how to do that too. That's uh, the sponsor of the podcast. I would highly recommend that. And I'll tell you from a per like my, so I'm also going to school. So I teach, I also teach classes at Clemson and I'm going to school to get my PhD right now. My master's thesis, Kyle, is on lean construction failures, specifically on your first attempt. And so um, if anybody out in the audience can Provide me with stories or facts or wants to take the survey or, you know, listeners who who catch this later on. Reach out to me. Uh, LinkedIn, like primetime, I'm not hard to find. Uh, I would love some help on just failures that you've had with implementing Last Planner or Lean or anything in general. I'm really trying to, for my master's thesis, uncover the failures. And then for my dissertation, I'm going to put together this system that really works. So heck, yeah. Be a doctor hoot soon, huh? Uh, yeah, we got a few. We got a little bit, but yes, all that's right. the end goal. Justin, thanks for keeping it in front of me. <laughs> all right. So this survey is this a digital
1: survey? Can you give me the link and I'll put it attached to everything.
0: Yep, it will uh, absolutely, hundred percent.
1: Okay. Cool, cool. I'll put it in all the the actual podcast show notes and stuff, so people go back to it. That's awesome. That, What's your PhD? I don't, I don't really know. It's a construction
0: Good. science and management would be the if that's what you're asking. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to say your your degree I guess I don't know I don't know anything about PhDs I'm
0: not a doctor. here's here's an interesting fact for you my undergrad public and cultural communications how did that happen (laughs) how did that happen oh man wait a minute (laughs) you're asking (laughs) me questions here Uh, it happened through uh, an interview communication class I had to do a mock interview with a local executive and I reached out to the company my dad worked for and did a mock interview and left with a job making probably twice what any other communications major made. So I hard I'd to argue it. with, yeah, uh-uh. it was, it was awesome. So that's hilarious.
2: But you aren't doing that though. Uh, what do you mean? Well, as far as sticking with the, uh, the original major plan,
0: you would think not, but I'll tell you, uh, in fact, Whiting Turner made me start as an assistant project engineer uh, on the job side. I was called the great ape because I was like running around doing a lot of things. Um, And so one thing I've come to know in construction is it is all about communication and specifically public and cultural. And so if you can understand like, where do the people come from? What does their culture feel like the people doing the work? Like, and then can you publicly talk in front of people and provide a message that's clear and concise? Like I wouldn't say i ventured too far away. That's true. Alex from Intuito
1: group which is, he was one of our guests. He says he likes your thesis. I knew knew he would. He did. Thank
0: you. Anything you can do to participate, man. I'd love to have your input, Alex.
1: I'm going to do a shout out here to Kendra Hickman. She's a coworker of mine and she's a rock star. She's been on some really cool projects, kind of down in the Corpus Christi area. And now
0: Victoria, she's been, she's been killing it. Thanks for joining us, Kendra. She sounds like someone I need to know. huh? Put you in contact. Oh, I would appreciate that. I'm going to find her right now.
1: Emily says, what have you found to be the most effective way to implement lean? As a former teacher, I'm thinking there's a variety of learning styles in the company. Very true.
0: Yeah. In fact, I've actually, um, I, so there. there's three typical learning styles. There's audio, there's visual, and there's kinesthetic. And so I think a lot of us construction folks, and I kind of aesthetic,
1: Sorry, like doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like hands on touching, feeling, making it tangible. And I think a lot of us construction folks gravitate to that for whatever reason, it's just kind of this natural intuition Mm -hmm. of break it, fix it, break it, fix it. Now I know it. And so um, versus sit down and let me tell you about this youngins or, or let me go listen to a book and figure it out. I think there's, um, some, and each type of learner kind of, again, circling this back to the way we started this, that's kind of your, that's that audience approach that we're talking about, and how you deliver your message to that audience. And so between understanding the learning styles, like she mentions here, and then Kyle, you nailed it, like small batches. If you try to change too much, again, I've got this, uh, I've got an article I wrote on my LinkedIn pin there, like it's this over time learning by doing is experiential learning and you're just getting better naturally but when you introduce change to that your learning drops because you're doing something different and so if that changes too much that's a big J drop and you while you'd experience some great benefits you'll never get there because the team gives up right they say ah oh, I'm doing it worse than if I would have just kept doing it so Kyle you nailed it it's small batches it's small J changes to escalate where you would have been had you just continued to experientially learn. So
2: well, my failures have usually started from the word pull planning. You say that and people freak out. They don't know what it is. They don't know what you're talking about and especially when you start talking about, "Well, that means we're going to work the schedule backwards." Then they really freak out
0: and they say, "Nope, we're not doing that." <laughs> yeah, here's an interesting thought is the word pull plan has pretty much defined what lean construction means. Like if you say pool plan, people just think you're talking about lean. And that's just one smitty, tiny okay. piece of fruit on the last planner tree. And so I think um, that's unfortunate. And that's part of that bullshit, that, man, we're going after. Yeah. Hmm. What's the
1: difference between pool plan? For people who don't know me, what's the difference between pool plan and last planner?
0: You, you so is that are we going down a deep hole no no I, I can be concise. I, I would tell you from my perspective and again how I run projects uh, the, the, a pull plan is a meeting that you have to establish the phases of work so when am I gonna when is structure gonna start versus site when is skin gonna start to structure when, like how are we linking the phases and I'm gonna pull all those phases then I can come back and I can have individual pool plan meetings to establish my look ahead, my six weeks. So it's one piece. If, if you think about the last planner as five conversations, the most high, the highest one is the master schedule. So your CPM, your TAC plan, whatever you're using to communicate when things have to be started and finished. Then you have your phase, which is establishing the milestones and we're pulling that and we pull to the next. It's like, okay, now once we have the phases, now we have to understand the sequence of activity in each phase. Then we can understand what happens in the next three to six weeks what happens this week and what's happening today then we learn from that and we take that and again many teams don't do the learning process but we learn from that and we feed that information back up into the master phase and look ahead plans That
2: and matt the way that way that my um lean instructor had kind of explained it to us was you know poll planning versus pushing a typical CPM schedule gets pushed from the from the project manager. It's pushed onto the trades. It's pushed. Um gets put onto them whether they agree to it or not. Pulling, you're pulling in the tradesmen. You're pulling the information out of them. You're building the schedule with that input with that collaborative effort.
0: That's the best so, way I've thought of it.
2: So it's
1: not just, just sticky notes around? Never, Look, I never. mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's a little bit of sticky notes involved sometimes. <laughs> but there's tons of softwares out there. There's tons of uh, ways to do this to... Established pool production, like Kyle said. Good stuff.
1: This is—I like this comment from Justin. He says, "If you're weaponizing lean, then you're completely missed the point." Which I agree to. I mean, there's so much stuff in construction. I mean, contracts alone—like contracts—are just a weapon that people use, right? Like, no, it's just a tool to keep everyone on the same page, really. But like, I don't know. I assume between Justin and Jesse, we've got a couple weaponized comments. So I guess there's a lean is being used as a weapon.
0: Yeah, I think like everything schedules. Uh, I'll, I'll, yes, absolutely. When it's when it when it doesn't have the caring about people part of it, when you're just trying to hold people accountable or um, challenge them directly, then you're missing the point. And I think a lot of people just try to use Lean to challenge people directly and don't use it to care about people, and that's the that's the major fault there.
2: Yeah. And especially when it comes to let's say we, let's say you go through those full planning meetings and you generate the schedule and you start finding that maybe you're missing certain things. Well, if you actually follow a good percent plan complete, you're not supposed to get every single thing done on there because that means you're not actually pushing yourself to the full potential. So if you're hitting 100 percent every week, you know, maybe you're not challenging your tradesmen enough and challenging your subs. So you, and I mean, holding people accountable is one thing, but punishing people.
0: It's a totally different thing. That's, that, and there's no place in lean for that. So that's one of the big battles in last planner system. Like, again, we're talking a little bit about some bullshido now, uh, which I don't <laughs> give a lot of airtime. But it's like, should we have 80% or should we have 100%? Mm-hmm. And so really, it's like, what method do you subscribe to? In the end, it doesn't matter. Green jacket, gold jacket. Like, <laughs> Is the whole team on the same page? And do yeah. we all know what the goal is. And to be honest, Kyle, like to offer you a different opinion, I like a hundred percent, like don't plan something on my job just to fail. If you can't get it done, don't plan it. Like my PPC is a measurement, how accurate I can plan work. And so I'm getting 80%. I'm failing myself, but that's just on my job. Like that's the beauty and lean is my, my whole job knows that and, and operates in that way. Cause I can communicate that. We talk about that during conditions of satisfaction. So, um, Again, is there a right way? I don't know. Maybe, probably, and it's probably your way. Um, but that's okay because I'm going to continue to learn.
2: Oh No, I mean, and I've had successes and I've had failures, so I'm not seeing my ways the best either. I'm that's the funny learning, thing. Man.
0: <laughs> I've had teams that have a 60% PPC and finish two weeks ahead of schedule, and I've had yeah. teams that have 95% PPC and finish two weeks after schedule. And it's just like, man, in the end, are we planning and are we executing? That's our goal. Well,
2: and I think that the really important discussion there is like, it's a tool, right? Even, you know, last planner is a tool, even CPM is a tool and it has its places and its uses just because you do lean doesn't mean you can't have CPM schedules.
0: There's still a use for things. So Matt, I'm going to toss this out for you because you seem to be like kind of dipping your toe in this lean stuff and like maybe getting ready to go down a slide and read a book or something. But Nicholas Modig taught me this when it comes to lean. It's a very abstract word. So kind of like schedule. Right. You can have this master schedule. You can have a daily, like hourly schedule. Mm-hmm. And so lean is like fruit. When I say the word fruit, wh- what comes to mind? I mean, a thousand different things. I mean A thousand different, different things. things. Right. It's almost like this strategic, like strategy kind of right. word. Right. It's like all of these things. I'm going to use lean as, as the word strategy when I talk about fruit. Now there's different types of fruit. So let's talk about apples or oranges. Right. What comes mm-hmm. to mind when I say apples? I mean, let's get a hundred different things. <laughs> okay. So we're narrowing it down a little bit, right? There's red apple, green apple. Right. Um, Yellow. It, there's Yeah. All these Sweet, different types. And so when I use the word apples, so like when I use the word fruit is like strategy, when I use the word apples, that's more like concepts, five S eight ways. And I'm like, okay, now I can kind mm-hmm. of see it. I can feel it. I can touch it. And now let's talk about apples. Like Honeycrisp apples, right? Red apples, Granny Smith, green apples. There's all these different types of apples or oranges, right? Tangerines or like, there's all these different types. And so now we're starting to talk about the tools. Now we can eat the fruit. Now we can touch the fruit. These are tangible. So last planner system, tact planning, scrum, like all of these tools we can actually use. And so I hope this is helpful just to start to kind of get you introduced to it because it is, a really, really slippery slope. And there's a lot of different ways to understand and apply lean. Um, most important thing, caring about people.
2: Amen. Oh. Amen. And to your point, Adam, there's so much stuff that and it kind of go. Let's go full circle here to the earlier conversation. Understand the audience. Understand the team. Maybe maybe Scrum will have a better effect on them than applying something else, or you know, using using some Kanban or you know, bringing in some different tools. Maybe more effective depending on the team and what they're used to seeing and what they can even, in some cases, understand.
0: Hundred percent. Let me tell you this. So we do a superintendent Lean coffee once a month, and James Glass used these words. He said, "You cannot." Take lean and force it on your project. You cannot make lean fit your project. You must make the project. I'm sorry. You can't make the project fit lean. You have to bend lean and let lean fit the project. Yeah. Uh, and so it's super important. Like You can't force this stuff and you don't even need all of it. But there is some of it that might help with some of the pains that you're experiencing. That's what Paul Akers is just fix what bugs you. Right. Well said. Well said.
1: We'll talk about, so Scott... Scott YouTube, he says, I've been implementing lean in the home building industry for 20 years now. I agree with most everything you're saying here, but neglecting ROI. That is a big mistake.
0: Ooh, Neglecting the ripples of impact. I agree. That's a huge mistake. My, <laughs> my point there was if you're doing lean just for the sake of bottom dollar, you're doing it wrong and you could ex- be experiencing so much more of that bottom dollar. And again, it, we can never neglect ROI because that's what really drives business, right? We're in business to make money, but that's not why we're in business to drive lean. Like if you're applying lean just to make money, you're going to be missing out because you're not going to be interested in learning about the people, inspiring the people, motivating the people, learning how to change or or teach the people. If you're only focusing on ROI, that is a mistake. If you're not focusing on ROI as ripples of impact, And getting to know your people and care personally about your people that's when you're going to experience the ultimate roi i imagine roi just it becomes a
1: happy side effect of the process
0: yeah it's the outcome it's the end result of what we're doing here and if you're simply measuring the end result you're missing out on a lot of improvement capability
2: well and and what does that end result mean are we talking about this project or are we talking these tradesmen that even bring the idea to their next project? And now the idea spreads. That's why the ripples are so powerful.
0: It's not it's just compound. this project. Yeah. That compound learning interest. Oh my goodness. Amen, brother. Heck yeah.
1: So I want to get back to one more question Justin had from the LinkedIn, and this is, it really kind of ties yeah. into more kind of what this podcast has been about of kind of really about the kind of the of the next generation. And this is really what this thing's better been a tool for. And maybe not give them all the education they need, but maybe some like one-on-one level ideas. Maybe kind of like you, like me right now, get me interested in lean and just kind of, you not know, get them you know, all the details, but enough information to get them going. But um, I'm going to kind of tweak Justin's comment, his question a little bit. So, but so he says, what advice does Adam have for folks who want to make a difference in this industry? And I'll even add to that. So if there's a kind of a, the next generation coming in who really wants to make an impact in the industry, what's a, some, you know, piece of advice you might have for them.
0: Yes. And can I, <clears throat> yes. And I want to circle back to Jesse's question about my personal life too. And maybe I can do that at the end of this response. So I, just to make him listen to the whole thing, you know? Um, <laughs> so can, can you ask, ask, can you ask Justin's question again for me for clarity?
1: So basically, um, the next generation, they're coming into the industry and they want to make an impact. Yes. What's some um, advice you might have for them?
0: Yeah, so I um, love the question, my goodness. And I, I teach 26 kids at Clemson Construction Scheduling, and I've taught them a lot of different ways to do scheduling on a job site. Um, the one piece of advice that I left them with, and I hope they're tuning into this, so I have to go tag some of them. I told them, don't you dare go to your construction site as an intern or as a project engineer and say, we should be doing tack planning. And how come you're not doing scrum? And I know this thing called Kanban. And let me tell you about the last planner system and just like spread this, like lean construction is the way to go. How come you don't respect people? It's like, if you do that, you're doing the antithesis of what we talked about this entire semester. And so one of the things I told him is like, pay attention to how this class is being facilitated. We started every class with a trust breaking exercise, every class wanted to know something about the people who were learning from me. And I would tell them about me that was building a trust and building a bond. And so until you build that, you'll never be able to make change. So what I told them was, if you want to make an impact on this industry and on your project sites, you have to start with yourself. You have to start internally. Like You have to go, Jesse says, uh, be the example that you want to see or something along those lines. Like, that's it in my mind is um, if I want to see all my job using Scrum, if I'm not the leader on the job that can request that I'm doing it. I have a Scrum board on my wall and I am doing my thing and I am showing people how efficient and effective I can be. I may have even went and created my own tact plan for this job because I know and believe in flow so much. And so, yeah, demonstrate. There he is. demonstrate. Jesse just came through. Demonstrate the behaviors you seek can't get more easier than that like if you want change in this industry and this industry needs change like it's going to be a shocked next generation when you get on the job site and your job is two months behind and still still not ordered and your electrical gear won't be here for another six months supposedly like your job is going to be uh not ideal state I guarantee you there will be variation that you are experiencing in your job. That's you know, we talk about the production laws. Variation is inevitable. This is construction. Shit happens and it will. And so, again, you know, kind of going back to, to Jesse's earlier question, do I practice everything I preach? Man, I try to, uh, but I've got blind spots, right? Like I've got real blind spots. I give you a perfect, for instance, story. I have 16 year old twin daughters. They're dating boys. One just had a breakup. She came to me crying. And did I use all this emotional bungee jumpers and questioning and like, you know, open-ended and curious questions. Hell no. I was pissed. Like my daughter's crying. What let's, what did I do? Like, Oh, solutionizing mode. Like how do we fix this? Where is this kid? How do we talk? Like, what can I do? Like, what are you doing? Like, and it, all it did was add stress and pressure and emotion and it ended really, really bad. And so do I try to practice what I coach in my personal life? Hell yeah. Am I really good at it? No. Uh, and I think Jesse already knew the answer to that question. Um, I'm getting better with time, with practice, with repetition, with small batches, with not trying to change absolutely everything right now. And so, um, as, as painful as that is, again, you know, uh, about a with my 16 year old daughter over a boy, it, it's uh, it is a learning experience. And I got to go to her the next day and I got to ask some fantastic questions. And hopefully she's thinking and, and can help come to a, a self-resolution. And so, um, yeah, I, I think all of us. Yeah, I think that's as, about as vulnerable as I'm really willing to go right now. But um, I'll tell you, it, it's it's. I want to, I know the right things to do, but there's this, uh, Harvard business Journal. I read an article maybe three or four years ago. It's the knowing doing gap, right? I know what to do, but then doing it like in the moment realizing like I'm not doing it, change something that's hard. And especially for me, when I'm getting feedback, like feedback from my wife, where it's like, you're not living what you're on LinkedIn. Like, Like, I'm like, uh, like, okay. Like how can I change that? But, um, so I want to, but I struggle like many of us. Well, that's great. I mean, and you brought up a really good point there, too.
2: Um, And to me, it kind of comes back to, you know, the emotions part of things and, you know, being humans, because that's present on the job sites, too. Anybody that's ever worked a construction site for any period of time has seen that in some capacity, especially when the chips go down and maybe some things go south for whoever's fault is. It doesn't matter. But the emotions come out, and that's when it's time to take the step back and think about okay, how am I reacting? And is it effective? Well, the times if it's emotion driven, probably not.
0: Self awareness is a really hard thing. There's a book called uh, Leadership and Self Deception by the Arbinger Institute. Man, that's powerful. Um, yeah and self-deception
1: good i gonna give a little bit of shout out to jesse i don't know i've said his name too many times today already but his uh emotional bungee jumping uh me and scott uh chris Gutsky's from island elevator did it kind of before he it was a trial run before he kind of went live with the whole program i think you hoots and jennifer and a small group were doing it too before it went into this big thing but man you guys go look up jesse his his emotional bungee jumping stuff is cool and it, it makes you stop it makes you think and it makes it's hard it's not easy <laughs> But it, that knowing and doing gap—it at least it turns on the knowing, right? You may not be doing, but at least it, it puts light onto your blind spot, like you're saying. So whenever you are failing in the doing, at least you recognize it and you can start being intentional about it. So y'all go check out Jesse. Yeah,
0: absolutely. He's a he's a peacock like no other.
1: I don't. Every time I talk to him, like it's like I just chugged a Red Bull. He just his energy wears off on you.
0: I love it. Heck yeah.
1: So, Adam, uh, we're, we got, we're running up on an hour shortly, but you got any other advice kind of for the next generation of just kind of, you know, I know you teach a class at um, the college class and, you know, you're a practitioner. You're not just a you're not just a professor, you know, that doesn't have any experience in the real world. I, you know, we all had a few of those in college, but, you know, so you're a practitioner and you're actually molding the next generation for anybody that's listening to this now. You got any little extra advice for them?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Build your network. Like, get on LinkedIn, call Matt, call Kyle, call Jesse, call these people, reach out to them. Uh, so many people will help you. Uh, don't worry about company lines. Um, if, if that's a problem with your company, you might be with the wrong company. Um, a lot of change is going through the industry right now we are waking up, we are valuing people, we are getting more women, we are getting more minorities in leadership positions, more the underserved people. And so I think that's important. Um, I think we've got, a, again, it's still a lot of work to do. There are too many people that look like us uh, in the industry. Uh, we've got to fix that, right? Diversity and perspective is everything. And um, you know, again, it kind of goes back to that self-awareness, leadership deception. If we all look like us we all likely have the same blind spots and so how do we see those well we get people that don't look like us we got we get people that um have a, a diversity in background and opinion and political like perspective like all the every genre you could possibly imagine or think of not just sex or race which is kind of where the mind typically goes we need all kinds of people and so um build your network that is my advice like um go meet somebody, go to these construction events and say, I'm an intern. I I read something. It might've been from you Kyle or or somebody not long ago out there said, you have an excuse right now, right? Like you have the, I'm new at this excuse. Use it while you can. Um, I would, I would tell people to take in the laying foundations podcast, uh, reach out Mm -hmm. to Davis and Walker. That's their sole intent is to uh, equip and mold that next generation of builders. And so we're doing these events, like Kyle mentioned, we went to Western Carolina, thanks to Mr. Uyar. Oh, yeah. uh, it was you know Thomas LeMay, Kyle, myself, Jen, and, uh, and Justin. We all got to go to Western Carolina and sit in front of 30, 40 kids, uh, I say kids, college students, who were wanting to know what the next, what, the, what is the construction industry all about? And so we got, you know, took our gloves off and we were able to tell them what the industry is about, what changes we think need to happen. And they listened and they asked great questions. At least half the room asked great questions. (laughs) And so, yeah, I got, see, even in that meeting, Kyle, I kind of got on one of them and I got, I got a little too much on them. I think I went a little too military, but um, we got, we we built a relationship afterwards. And so anyways, I I think, um, yeah, that's it. Like uh, construction in the end is about people, right? And you're going to have to convince people to do things that they probably don't want to do that aren't, super exciting. So how can you make them exciting? How can you make them fun? How can you create this environment, like we said earlier, where people want to show up and do hard work or maybe not hard work, but do work, right? How can you eliminate the hard work? That's another one. Like Again, we like he's probably like his head, he's probably stuck in his room right now, but I'm doing a, a SQI, sweat equity improvement uh, training with Jesse uh, for ABC of the Carolinas. And it's been six weeks, two-hour courses. And what we're doing is improving work that is being done on job sites. Justin's a part of that team. And so Justin actually went and witnessed people. Uh, I think they were welding pipe together in, in like a chill water, a closed chill water system. And they weren't even working for him. And he's like, hey, why do you do it this way? And Why do you do it that way? And what if you did this? And just like observing people doing work for five minutes on video, And then going back and watching that video and finding when they wipe their brow or when the work looks hard and they're straining like emotional intent, using your emotional intelligence to be able to understand how does that work feel? And when you can do that and like, again, shout out Jesse, like he he's got this SQI program that is, is a game changer and it's lean applied way more than last planner system. It's lean applied in the execution phase. And so I'm excited because I was able to engineer this opportunity opportunity with ABC Carolinas and I'm kind of like a a guest teacher slash learner slash like handling all the administrative lean geeky stuff. And so um, that's another one where if that's not on your radar, it should be on your radar because it is a way to truly, truly apply lean in the field by removing the burden, from the work for the people doing the work to make it easier on them. And uh, when you can build your network from that perspective and you get a bunch of trade workers on your side, now you're really going to, because you're just opening the floodgates for innovations to take place. And so, um, and then the last thing I'll say is don't be afraid to experiment and fail. Uh, You know, Felipe, his acronym first attempt in learning is what fail stands for. And so. Go fail, go learn, especially when you're the new one on the job and it's expected. Like go, you know, don't go blow 50 grand, but go try something different. Go experiment and and be willing to get outside your comfort zone and learn as an individual and grow as a human being. And I think then you will really, really be able to capture the essence of what lean is. But just don't forget to care about people.
1: I'm just going to add, you're talking on your diversity piece. Kendra chimed in. Strength and differences, not similarities. Amen. So Amen. true. Something kind of, I'm going to steal Kyle's line. If you go full circle all the way back to Angelo talking about diversity back in episode one, <laughs> yep. That's a, that was a big point we were talking about there too.
0: Oh, yeah. It's everything. That is people.
1: So, you guys got anything else? This was fun. That's
0: great time man i've got a million other things but since you got me on live and i didn't have time to make my agenda i'm like i'm kind (laughs) of stuck right now so i don't know anybody
1: anybody in the omniverse got any last shots to take it at them?
0: oh man i'm sure that now now we're gonna go another hour Uh, (laughs) i will just say shout out to you and uh matt the construction yeti newsletter like that is i love it man it's so real it's so applicable it comes in Saturdays, like right when I'm have the time to take it in, and so I think a lot of you and your style and what you're putting out there. And uh, thank you for having me on here. I think it's people like you that really uh, encourage me and just kind of inspire me to keep going, man. So thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us, yeah. man, and thanks for that. Um, one thing I didn't realize, whenever I you talking going back, to talking about network building a network. When I first started that newsletter, like. I Maybe mean, it was naive, but I had no idea the amount of people it would lead me to meet. Right. And like I met, I mean, I kind of met Kyle through that, which really starting that led me to posting more on LinkedIn. And then I kind of met Kyle through that. And we were sharing a bunch of things of, you know, like you know, we shared a lot of the same thoughts. And like, what are we going to do? We're going to do something together. And they turned it into this. And it nice. gives us the, it gives us kind of a, the freedom to like say, Hey, Adam, you want to get on a lot on the live stream with us and let us ask you all these crazy questions and thoughts going on <laughs> in our head? And like, <laughs>
0: That's not what you said to me. Wait a minute. This is a- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so no, yeah, it's fun. It's,
0: it's awesome. Strong work, man. Thank you.
1: And it's I guess part of that is just kind of being vulnerable, put myself out there, which has led to building my network and and finding a lot of the same like minded people and stuff like that. And it's it's definitely broadened my horizons. So I've really I've been very thankful for that part of it.
0: But Matt, Kyle, what if nobody listens? Or what if nobody opens up your newsletter? they're missing out
2: you do they're missing out because the industry is changing man i mean adam you've already seen it we saw it in that western carolina event those students the questions they were asking was on the ball it was it was great stuff it was all about the human side it was putting the people first the industry is changing whether people like it or not so and it's changing for the better
0: i agree
1: So, guys before we head off um, hey! I, just got, I just got word that this has been a Chewy approved live stream. Hey, all right,
0: big. that's big. That doesn't take a lot, but that's big. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to that. I got to get. Wait, you Kyle. got the mugs already too. Oh, I like that. That's nice. <laughs> Kyle's a,
1: he got us some mugs, and I just haven't been. Uh, I come and do it in my office here, and I, my mugs are at home. I'm just. I don't know. I got to figure out how to get prepared a little bit better.
0: It's oh, top notch. You guys need some. If you get hats, let me know. I'll throw in on that for sure. All we got to right. get some hats, but. Adam, I appreciate
1: you joining us, man. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Heck yeah.
0: It. So much fun. Thank you, all. you guys are awesome. Keep doing it. Hey, Thanks to so all the
1: listeners. I forgot to say, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, I know you're all over LinkedIn. Any other way, if you want to get in touch with you, is that the best way?
0: Yeah, I'm not hard to find. LinkedIn is certainly the best way. Um, I would say uh, you could hit up my website at constructionache solutions, like .com. It's like aches and pains. Construction is full of aches uh, oh, and we've right. got some solutions. So, ConstructionAkeSolutions.com. That's a great way to get a hold of me. Or LinkedIn. I mean, I'm pretty easy. Or call Matt or Kyle. Kyle's coming to see me soon, right? Heck yeah. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. We welcome you here in South Carolina now. Got a presence now, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring it on. Thank you All for right. that, Matt. Thanks, guys. we will watch you later.
2: All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Holla, 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 We're still alive. Hey. Uh.